grateful as always for your presence here. Those of you who are bodies in chairs in the same room and those of you who are bodies in chairs in different rooms. We're going to pray. God, it is to you alone that we give glory, you who are our creator. We ask that as we seek to know you more deeply, as we come to you in this time in which we bear many things on our own shoulders, many joys and griefs and anxieties and hopes that we might be received just as we are into your heart. We trust that you are doing a new thing in us, and we ask that we might have the eyes to see it. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. In the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning, there are two crucial texts for Christian believers that start with this phrase, in the beginning. Uh, one of them we associate pretty clearly with the person of Jesus. It comes from John chapter 1. We did a responsive reading on it this morning already. And it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The other reference we don't often connect to the person of Jesus, coming from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I get why we don't often associate Jesus when we think of this second reference. The person of Jesus can be kind of hard for us theologically speaking. We don't often know enough to distinguish sometimes when the scriptures are talking about different persons of the Trinity. Jesus, who is the second person of God, we often call God's son. And it happens because often we're not taught very much about it, certainly not having these discussions in children's Sunday school classes. But maybe also we just kind of forget that Christ has not just begun at the year 1 AD. It doesn't always trigger for us that Christ was existent before the human baby came to be. It feels like too much complex theology, I think, and we kind of put it in the corner and stare at it every now and then to make sure it's still there, but we don't always sift through it, try to understand it. But today, as we begin this season of Advent, we're going to talk about it. We're going to think about it together. Our theme this year for this season of Advent for the next few weeks is creation in Advent. We're using the line from the song, Let Heaven and Nature Sing sort of as our centering concept and theme. We're going to look at the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, and the promises that were made before this baby who was to be born even came. And we're going to think about this story from the lens of creation. And when I say creation, I don't just mean plants and animals and organic matter. I mean everything in the universe, except, of course, for God's divine self. Logically, we know and we understand that Jesus is included as in the beginning, God. But we don't often remember that. And so our work this week is to see Christ in the beginning, Christ's role as creator, and to learn what Jesus' presence at the start of time would mean for us. So to get to kind of the meat of our discussion today, we have to 
remind ourselves or perhaps establish some essential things. And the first is that if Jesus is the second person of the Trinity and is in fact God, fully divine, distinct from God the Father, God the Spirit, then it has to be true that Jesus was at the start. Jesus was in the beginning of time because if God was present, then Jesus was there. There's no distinguishing within this trinity, even in their distinctiveness. It might be easy in this moment to be like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But it's easy for us not to always walk through the logical steps to get to this point. And so our first essential discussion is Jesus present at the start. We know that Jesus was born, so sometimes we forget the reality of Jesus' pre-existence, not just before the body of a child born in Bethlehem, but also before time itself was born. This is not a, a new God born into the world when Christ comes but the same God coming in a new and distinct way. This might be weird for us to think about, but if Jesus had to be limited to be in a human body, that meant there was something before to limit. And so Jesus, in all of God's power and glory, coming in the frail form of a human baby, had to take a temporary hit in order to be among that which he had created. All these things remind us or perhaps teach us that Jesus, just with God the Father and God the Spirit, was at the beginning of all things, at the start of creation. So if we kind of understand that truth to the best of our capacity, then what else do we need to know to see Christ in creation? Well, we're going to read together from the book of Colossians chapter 1. We're going to do verses 15 through 19. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard. Speaking of Jesus, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Wow, what a text. I love the compelling statements that are made in this one of the opening sections of the book of Colossians. First, we get a statement clarifying that Jesus is the precise representation of God. God who could not be seen, Jesus in a visible, physical form. The next phrase is also interesting, and it calls Jesus the firstborn of creation. Very fascinating phrase to us, because we know that Jesus was born, right, in a human body. That's sort of like the theme of the season. But in the grand scheme of sort of like human history, that happens pretty late in the game. So we know that Jesus was born, but how could he be firstborn of creation if he comes so late to the party? Well, it tells us in the very next verse. Firstborn of creation, 
because in him all things in heaven and on earth were created. All things have been created through him and for him. So the writer is saying here, and rightly, that it is Jesus in whom and through whom and for whom all things were made. Jesus, the root of creation, Jesus, creator, Jesus, the end purpose of creation. This includes not only the created world that we know here on our own earth, but also that which is in the heavenly realms, not just space, but the space in which God and all of the divine beings dwell. God creates, and Jesus is God, and the writer is telling us very simply, Jesus also creates. It even tells us that Jesus' work of creation is not new, but rather that Christ was before all things. And in the very next verse, within verse, within Christ's self, everything is held together. The last thing from this passage that we might catch is the statement that Christ is the beginning. Christ is the beginning. From Christ, who is God, all things come. Nothing was before and nothing will outlast it. So now we kind of see that Jesus is the start of the world, has been creating since the beginning of time. All the persons of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, were present in the work and world of creation, where there was nothing before that existed except for God. This isn't a new idea. Isaiah 44 talks about this, speaking about this vision, this prophecy, calling the speaker the Lord, the Redeemer. Who do we associate with that title of Redeemer but Christ first? Who made all things, it says. We hear it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. There is one God, the Father, from whom all things came, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came. Christ is an essential and central force of creation. Nothing that is, nothing that exists, nothing that will exist would exist without Christ's work and creative power. The book of Hebrews talks a lot about this, and especially about Jesus's identity as our creator. And in the first chapter, it says in verse 2 that God in these last days has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's being, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. Jesus, who the text tells us is God's exact representation and imprint, is the channel through which the worlds were made. And it is in Christ that all things are sustained and held together. Hebrews 1.10 talks about Christ as the builder of the foundations of the heavens and the earth. It also speaks later in the book of Hebrews about Jesus as the one not just building the universe, but building the church, saying that if the people of God are the house of God, then Christ is their builder. So now that we kind of understand Christ, who was at the beginning, who has been creating from the very start, who continues in the work of creation, what does it matter? What can we as believers 
draw out of this very fine and acceptable spiritual truth. We know now that we are created beings, Genesis 1 reminds us, who are reflective of God's image. And now that we understand and see Jesus' role in creation, what does that have to teach us? Well, remembering our own reality of createdness, we were not from the beginning, we are not like Christ, we can see the way that creation as an action is reflective of God's identity. And to create is to be like Christ. So our role in learning this spiritual truth, in remembering Christ's work of creation, is to follow in those same steps. In doing so, we can reflect the truth of God, the divine image that we bear, distinctive from many other elements of creation. And in creating, we give glory and honor to Christ, our creator. And there are a million ways we could do that, but we're going to give some examples to help get our creative juices flowing. You can create in what things people think of most frequently, right? Art and music. Maybe you like to draw or knit or write or sew or play the piano. Maybe you like to paint. Maybe you like to build furniture. Sometimes the act of creation is something like organizing the living room furniture to a way that is more pleasing to the space. Sometimes the act of creation is crafting a perfectly balanced dinner at your house where it's pleasing on the plate, pleasing on your palate. Sometimes the act of creating is trying a new skill like watercoloring or poetry, even if you're not very good. Because creation is not measured by success or likability or function, but by the choice and intention to create. And we can also create by supporting the natural world. So this might mean the many plants that you have in your house, who you water with the best of intentions. You keep humid with that little spray bottle to make sure the leaves are wet enough. You trim off when the leaves get too brown from direct sun. It might mean creating through supporting animals who live in your house, uh, pets, not children, um, that you love and that you care for, ensuring that they have water, that their coats are groomed, that they have the food they need to survive. Maybe you have a garden, probably not this time of year, and your way of joining in creation is to cultivate that garden, hauling big jugs of water halfway across your yard to make sure that they don't dry out in the summer heat. Creating is working alongside the rest of creation, like plants and animals, to offer growth and life as an action of love, just as is offered to us. We can also create in ways that are not material or physical, ways that might be a little more undercover to think about creation. It might mean welcoming homes where guests are invited, even if your house isn't fancy, even if your food's not that good. Creating a warm environment is an act of creation. A kind smile and a listening ear are creative works. Perhaps for you, the act of creation is raising the children in your household, whether you gave birth to them or not. It means creating relationships, building friendships, creating spaces of safety where people can come to you in their grief, 
in their anger, in their frustrations, in their sorrows, and be honest. Creation can even look like expanding or changing the ministries of your church community, of your workplaces. It means ones that exist and don't exist yet, dreaming bigger and broader and wider. That is an act of creation, to imagine a new creation, a world in which new things can be born. In all these ways, we recognize that by working with Jesus, the central force of creation, then we are rejoined in fellowship with God, no matter what form that creation work takes. No work of creation is more valuable than any other because the purpose of creation isn't success. It's not financial profitability. It's not social usefulness. It's not even function. The goal of creation is to create. And in doing so, to imitate our creator. And in imitation, to give God glory. To reflect Christ's own self. If we wish to be like Jesus, who is our creator, we should look in our life for ways to create. It might feel big, might not feel very big at all. It might feel significant, and it might feel so insignificant. But creation is for its own sake, to give God glory, to connect ourselves to our creator. And when we create, we join as co-creators with Jesus, knowing that all things are made through Christ. You've been listening to me, Pastor Kana Moore, at Hayes Christian Church. Hayes Christian Church is a non-denominational fellowship in Hayes, Kansas. We are supported by the generosity of our members, attenders, and friends. The financial support we raise goes to projects which further spread the gospel to those who do not yet know Jesus, to those local, national, and international missions, and they help keep these podcasts free. If you would like to share a monetary gift with us, please visit our website at hayeschristianchurch.org and click on the donate button. Or you may mail your gift to P.O. Box 1111, Hayes, Kansas, 67601. If you have any questions, comments, or would like more information, we would love to hear from you. Simply go to our website and click on the Contact Us form. Thank you for your generosity, and may God bless you as you seek to follow him.